The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves the experience of cracking them open or you love the convenience of no-shell pistachios like myself, Wonderful Pistachios is the perfect healthy snack for when hunger strikes. And there are a bunch of tasty flavors to choose from too, like honey roasted, smoky barbecue, jalapeno lime, and more. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Yeah, came from the mud, I had to get up in my zone And I ain't have a team, I had to get it on my own The only ones I love, the ones I hit up on my phone When nobody at the top, this how I feel when you alone Had to get up on my self-love He, she, he just basically put in her head that I was running around telling people that you know, what was happening in Kenya, and he just completely made the whole story up. But she thought maybe he knew you. You know, just regular hating shirt. You spoke to Abdullah? He might be talking to Obama right now. <laughs> Who knows? For real. <laughs> I'm going to call you back in 30 minutes. Is that over? Who's that? That's, uh, and what you talking about? Um, so that is uh, my friend of mine uh, who owns Major Food Group. So Carbone's, Dell's, ZZ's Private Club, just bought the W Hotel in South Beach, and he's going to get uh, financing from Saudi. Uh, and I'm concerned about the optics of going over there right now, given what's happening in the world. So we just... Yeah, so while you were on the phone, you know, you got like Spidey senses, so you probably heard everything from here to the damn cafeteria. But I'm telling them, like, no, capture that because, like, this is who you are. And I'm yeah. in this space right now where I'm trying to – I'm trying to sit with people that I can learn from, uh, can teach us something. And so, like, this is who you are. Like, you're – I, I don't even it, – it's, like, beyond mogul to me. And I'm like, yo, you don't know who he's on the phone with. It could be Obama. It could be yeah. Roger Cadell. Yeah. <laughs> you feel me? So, yeah. and, 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 and I'm going to start it this way. I'm going to start it this way. Um, disclaimer. The set has changed. I want it being, I, our bean bags haven't came in yet because I, I want some like laying on the carpet, take off the shoes, different vibe. Let's peel back the layers. Let's have different conversations. You're talking about the socks. I got my uh, my number one dad socks with my son on it. That's your son? Yeah, that's my son. <laughs> Did we capture yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, we caught those. We'll capture it after, yeah. yeah. That, and, and that's what I'm trying because it's like, bro, we, you know, we've we, we been there, we did that, and it's like, how do we, and this is what, you inspire me to do is like think differently. So Steve Stout came in and said, I'm not sitting on the floor. So what Steve Stout wants, Steve Stout get. I appreciate and that, that leads me yeah. into this, bro. I can go back actually, and this is just Instagram. I can go back to when I first got to the Jets and the Giants, I said, who do I need to know? That's 2015. And one of the first names that came was Steve Stout. So I reach out to Steve, and I and he accepts my offer. Like, yeah, you can come in. Boom, we'll have a conversation. 
I go into translation. Yeah. You are in this, I don't know, like man, somewhere in Manhattan, yeah. bro. This crazy. It was like, a greenhouse. The office was a greenhouse. And guess what? I thought you was, I was like, dude, this dude is different. Because you had your shoes off. Oh, yeah. You didn't have no shoes on. We had this meeting walking around with no shoes on. You know, it's funny. I think it's, I mean, before you think, I think growing up in Trinidad and like West Indian parents, like we never wore shoes. Like I, I, I always, take, I always would take my shoes off. Now I got so comfortable as I became the boss of things or whatever, where I would take my shoes off in meetings and I'll take my shoes off anywhere. But like not wearing shoes to me, actually like wearing. Uh, 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 being with just socks or barefoot on carpet, to me is respectful. Like to me, that's just respecting the carpet, it's respecting the space. Um, so I was always comfortable wearing those shoes, but I also think taking your shoes off is a sign of respect. And I literally just remembered, I was like, when I walked into your office for the first time, you ain't have no shoes off, and I'm looking at like, who is this dude? That's my first time hearing about you, right? And now we here, and this is the space that I'm in. With no shoes on, right? Yeah. And so We're keeping it consistent. The space that I'm in right now is like respect. It's like I'm respecting this space. I only want to sit down with people that can teach me something I can learn from. And so I go back and it's just an Instagram because we started this relationship where I first met you in 2015, 2016. And I've been trying to catch up with you ever since. February 21st, 2021. Tanning of America. I don't know when it came out, but that your book. 2011. 2011. So I've been out. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I read it. Mm-hmm. I text you, I DM you, phenomenal, bro. Learned a lot. Thank you. F- you don't respond. March 31st, 2021. Boss, no respond. December 24th, 2021. Boss, I need your mentorship. I've been trying to get to you, get with you since 2017. What do I need to do for a few minutes here and there? I have an amazing company that can be legendary with the right advisory. No response. October 18th. Steve, will you be kind enough to bless me with one hour? I know time is money, but I look up to you and I need some guidance. Would love to learn from you. October 21st. You finally respond to me during this year. Brandon, absolutely. Hell yes. I'm between Miami and New York mostly. I respond Literally uh, an hour and a half later, major blessing, OG. Same for me. I'm in NYC every Monday, Tuesday through February, Miami the rest of the time. How's the next few weeks for you? I'm back next week. I'm in L.A. this week and back next week. I'm down to take an episode or, you know, of your show. This is you. Okay, good. You have to say that because you just... You- yeah. You, when I start responding, I want to get credit for it. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. But I'm going to tell you, OG, oh, that would be a blessing. I have modeled a lot of what I do after you. I'll follow up next week. I'm in Cabo, October 22nd. Perfect. This is you. Perfect. Safe travels. November 12th. Steve, because we still haven't connected. Yeah. I'm like, damn, if I can just get Steve out for an hour, I know this could totally change my life. It's almost like that... Uh, that that thing that went viral with Jay Z, where they said, "Would you, know, you take five hundred thousand, half five hundred thousand dollars, or an hour meeting with Jay Z?" And so this lunch, is how I'm thinking. Jay-Z. Lunch or dinner with Jay Z. Lunch or dinner with Jay Z. Mm-hmm. So that's how I'm thinking. I'm like, yo, if I can just get Steve for even thirty minutes, yeah. this could totally change my life. So I'm here. Yes, I'm going to be at the Dolphin game tomorrow. Enjoy 
a pitch meeting just came up in NYC and LA. I'm back the end of the week. I'll follow up then excited to catch up. So now it's on me. You gave me time and I missed it. Yes, I want to do the podcast and gave extremely I give extremely honest dialogue. This will be legendary when we start shooting in December. December and I can go on and on. This all this this happened, bro, for a couple of years. Yeah. 2 weeks ago, I'm in Houston shooting something with another guy. And I, I'm in my hotel. I'm talking to Cam Newton, mm-hmm. and we talking about this pod, this this tour that we launching, mm-hmm. right? That we already made the announcement. And I see Steve Stout, and uh, I say, Cam, I gotta call you back to Steve Stout. I never seen this pop up. And so you called me and you said, B, like let's talk, let's sit down. And that was the biggest blessing for me, bro, because that's why I wanted to like set the stage there yeah. because I'm like, yo. I would take a meeting with Steve Stout for 30 minutes to an hour over $5 million. Because that meeting, and I'm, a, I'm trying not to get emotional, bro. That meeting with Steve Stout probably turned me into a billionaire. And that billion, I can then turn into, like, the impact that I want to create in the world. So I, I, listen, Brandon, I, I respect that so much. I respect you coming here, just seeing what you built. The people you have around you is something special, man. You, you, and you took the long route. You were never, when you left the league, you were not bitter. You were at the top of your game. You went out quietly. I watched you build the relationships with Roger and all the guys in the league. Um, You were very important early on when mental health came up in the NFL needed to address it with the athletes. They were going through some shit with mental health and their lack of concern for it. And uh, you were a very big part of help giving and providing education. They, they actually stood behind you um, because they needed your support uh, on, on their efforts to do something about that. I remember that very specifically. And I was watching you move, and I'm like, man, he, he's doing his thing. And then, like, even after that, then you went on to break through in this podcast world. And it wasn't just some regular shit. Like, you, you were changing the game. You have changed the game. Um, and you've upped it, it's high end. And when you talk to me about ESPN and what you want to do in this facility, the only thing I'm thinking is like, it's absolutely gonna happen. Cause I'm not walking around here feeling like it's any less than, I feel like it is. And you built that. So I'm proud to be here and, and talk to you and your audience about anything, man. Because look, whether it's, you know, $5 million or, uh, you know, half a million dollars, I will tell you that that's, the, if you know that you can meet somebody, somebody you look up to and somebody you respect, that you believe will give you information and intelligence on something that they uniquely have that could change your life, a half a million dollars is a five, whatever it is, is nothing. You know, that's what people do internships. They do, people do things, other versions of that to change their lives. I went, when I left the record business, I went to the advertising business I was in the record business. My salary was two and a half million dollars. That's what I was making. I was 28 years old, and my salary was two two and a half million dollars in base salary. And then when I went into the advertising business to learn the advertising business, my right hand of God, my salary from that guy was $150,000, but I had equity. $150,000, I took equity. And going from two and a half million dollars to $150,000, um, is obviously a shock to the lifestyle. But it really wasn't for me because at 28 years old, 
I could afford to take that risk then. I wasn't married, I didn't have kids, so I didn't have an army of people that I was responsible for where that salary was gonna do, you know, was the, I was reliant upon it for that lifestyle. When I sold the company, we sold that company and I was an equity owner and, and by the time I was 31 years old, I cashed out, made $34 million on that. So taking $150,000 uh, at, at 28, by the time I was actually, it was 33, it was a uh, uh, 34 million dollars. Right, right. So what did I pay? Right, right. Can, can y'all get me tissue? Cause like really, like I'm, I'm really. Uh, people don't understand that the life of an entrepreneur can be lonely. People don't understand you. You know, uh, half of the people are with you, half of the people are against you, and, and I'm, I'm gonna try to hold back this te- these tears. But like, the life of an entrepreneur isn't not only lonely. I said this. But but, Before, the, but, but hold on one second, you, one second. This is why I don't even have to prepare for this conversation. We just having a conversation. But bro, I'm in that right now. Where when you talk about going from two and a half million to uh, what you said, one hundred fifty thousand. That's where I'm at now. Like I was making three million dollars taking a traditional route with FS1 and Showtime, and I said no, I'm not going to go that route. I'm gonna go build my own platform, and I still haven't gotten paid. And the reality of it is, I'm in a position right now where shit can go all the way left and. You know, I go bankrupt or this turn into a billion dollar conversation. And so, like, for me, where I, the space that I'm in and I've been in is like, if I can surround myself f- with the right people, I know I'm going to make it. Right. And so that's why, like, the people like people like you were so important. And it really like you, number one, you top up my list. And so, you know, it's, it's lonely and it's interesting. And I'm going to give it back to you. But like what you just said. Mm-hmm. And remember what I just wrote, what, mm-hmm. I wrote, what I wrote here. I said, bro, I modeled my career after you. Yeah. Now, an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, bro, like, I, I don't know, maybe you can define this for us, but I feel like it's either in you or not. It's not for everybody. I so, like, all the time. you inspire me, but, like, I feel like it was already in me, but you validate, like, yo, B, it's okay. It's okay to, like, put everything on the line and shit can go left, but if it go right. The one thing you got to learn as an entrepreneur, and I'll tell you this, I've never seen anyone fail that didn't quit. If you don't quit, you will be successful. The pressure for payroll, the pressure to get up every day and incentivize your team and make everybody know that we're going up in this direction, day in and day out. Then you have naysayers, people who don't believe in you. You got to, and it could be your family, man, because shit gets thick. And you got to stay the course. And sometimes, you get so into it that you may actually be delusional or you may think you're delusional about your beliefs and your dreams like, man, this shit ain't going to happen. I hear it so much it ain't going to happen. It looks so tough. Why is it going to happen? And then all of a sudden, boom, it's at that moment you get tested that you break through. It's at that moment you, have, you break through. So sticking the course and staying the course and not quitting to me is the most important thing you got to do. So that's self-belief. It's not for everybody being an entrepreneur because you know, the, the, the basic secrets of success that people ask you, they're waiting for you to say something and you're like, I'm like, like what's, the, you know, what's the secret to your success? Well, you know, I don't see my family much. I'm traveling nonstop. My sleep is kind of fucked up as a result. I've been in so many different time zones. I live here in Miami since June. 
right? In the last three months, I've been here nine days. I've been everywhere. Saudi, Abu Dhabi, Qatar, London, Paris, LA, San Francisco, like everywhere. I hate that feeling, being away from my family. What was that defining moment for you in your journey where you were like, oh shit, this might not happen. And you start questioning yourself, but then like you snapped out of it. And it was like, no, keep going. It, the story always seems to have the same arc where um, you come out the gate fast <laughs> and you feel like, damn, this shit is easy. It was much easier than I thought. Then you have to scale. More people, growth, and then you run into those types of issues. And you're like, damn, I didn't know it was going to be this hard managing people, um, hiring people with skill sets that you necessarily can't do yourself. A lot of times when you start a business, you can play every position on the field. But when you get to 20 people, you can't play all those positions anymore. And now you're like, shit, I have to trust. I have to trust that this person who I hired, which I can't even monitor what they're doing really because I, I don't even know how to do what they're doing. Not it, but their response, I'm resp ultimately responsible for them. And their two family members. And they could be anybody. They could, they could be family members, which I don't recommend, but they could be family members. And you go through that circumstance and it's hard, it's difficult. Then you pass that hurdle ultimately, and then it goes more, just more and more people managing them, and you're trying to hold them um, responsible for the original vision that you had. And you have to keep articulating that vision and getting it finer and finer and finer. Because sometimes, depends on the business you're in, you may have an idea and it can be this wide. And then when you, when you from failing and learning and whatever, you find out oh, this is the lane right here. It ain't all this, it's this right here. And, but to get to that point, the one thing you learn is like, you know, failure is actually in wisdom. And the magic and the trick is being able to fail and still have enough runway to continue. Which is why they tell you a lot in Silicon Valley to fail fast. Fast, that's a book. Failing fast is an incredibly, it, it's beneficial because you save money, you save time, and you still have more money to invest in a thing that's working. Now break, down, break that down real quick because I, I think that's a book and I think I may have like skimmed through it. Because like when you say fail fast, can you give us examples really quick? And, and I'm going to start off yeah. one real quick. I, bad hire, I got to let you go. Yeah. You know, you're better off somewhere else. No hard that's, feelings. That's, that's hire slowly, fire quickly. Okay. <laughs> that's a whole nother chapter or another book. Hire slowly, fire quickly. Very rarely do, very rarely do people that, I ask, I ask this question a lot to my executives. When somebody's not working out, I'm like, now be honest with me. When did you really know it wasn't working? And was the thing that wasn't working ultimately the thing that you fired that person for nine months later? It's always yes. A lot of times people don't want to fire people because they think it reflects poorly on them because they made the hire themselves. So they're like, shit, I hired this person so it's a reflection on me. So if I fire them, um, it's going to make me look bad. 
I've put bonus structure in for my executives on the faster they fire people. You get bonused on the speed in which you do it. Because what you're, what you're, that's efficiency. That's, that's productive. You're, you're, you're saving the company money because you know that we're just going to s- spend more time making this mistake. If you're firing somebody, it's bad behavior. One of the things that we need to know about companies, like any community or anything with, with, with people that are congregating, that bad behavior is contagious. You've seen it in the locker room. That's right. That's right. Bad, once you've got bad behavior being accepted in the locker room, what happens? Mm-hmm. Are you late for practice? They're not saying nothing? We're it's, all late for practice. It's, and this is not about me. It's about you, bro. But, like, like, I'm trying to learn from you. I call it divine mentorship. And so why it was important for me uh, to connect with you, and this is a huge honor and blessing for me because... Like, I ain't trying to make the same mistakes you made. Mm-hmm. If I can learn from Steve and Tanning of America, your book, and all the other interviews you did, I watched everything. You was one of the first to ever sit down on Drink Champs. Mm-hmm. People don't know that. What I'm saying is, you know, um, like, this dude is a disruptor. This dude is a, a, a trailblazer. Like, that to me, I got to check my ego. Like, I'm Brandon fucking Marshall. 13 years in the NFL. Even when we first talked about it, he was like, yo, B, I got you on my on my on my fantasy yeah. team. Yeah. Crushing it. Crushing it. Like we that's how we yeah. connected yeah. originally. Yeah. And so like that shit don't exist in this space when I'm trying yeah. to build my second mountain. I'm like, it don't matter. Let me put that to the side. Brandon Marshall, the football player, don't even exist. If I gotta, if I gotta ask Steve 20 times, that's what I'm gonna do. Cause what I know is he's creating so much he's disrupting so much and at the right time if he's a real one he's gonna come back let me let's talk about I'm, to your point about disruption and entrepreneurship 2017 what that was for me so i have this idea uh for united masters hmm. the idea is i'm watching artists who historically give their records to record companies their art their rights as an artist for like a small bonus, sign on, a half a million dollars, a million dollars, maybe a million. And as a result of that transaction, they now give away their name, image, and likeness, as well as the intellectual property of the music that they make. And then they get paid a royalty. So the record company gets 80 to 85% of the money, and the artist gets 15 to 20% of the money. That's the deal. So... The artists become successful. They become a superstar, whatever they become. And they end up with no fucking money because they got 85, 80% of the money. You got the smaller end. Meanwhile, you had the biggest contribution. And the asset that's created, the songs, they own it and they can sell it. Mm -hmm. And you don't have it. And you have no right or say so on where it goes. That's the music business in 2017. Meanwhile, the hardest part of becoming a uh, independent artist was being able to get your music distributed because prior to streaming, it's hard to get so, uh, you know, 30,000, 50,000 CDs and tower records all over the country or whatever the record stores were all over the country because it's physical distribution. It's difficult to do that. You need scale for physical distribution. But when you got digital distribution and it's a file, 
that barrier of entry is gone. Then you have the cost of recording music coming down, right? Like, it, no different than camera equipment. The price had come down. As technology made it cheaper and more affordable to get high quality sound and high quality uh, cinematography, these artists could start making music and music videos without needing, you know, huge investments from record companies. So if there's no more barrier of entry with distribution and the cost of sound and, 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 and video equipment has come down dramatically, why would I give away my rights? That led to me starting United Masters, where I wanted to build software that you could actually record the song in your house and get it to Apple and Spotify that evening, okay? That's all the record company was doing. They were distributing your music, then they were helping you market. The artists today, Instagram and TikTok is MTV. That's where the music videos are being found. That's where the content's at. Record companies don't own that. Radio means less and less. So I'm just painting you the entire picture on why that industry was ripe for disruption. I want the entrepreneurs watching this to understand. I'm now, for me, I'm building this company. I know in order to do this, the main ingredient is technology. Steve, you from Queens, New York. Man, what do you mean technology? Like, you gotta hire engineers? What are you gonna do? So what do I do? I spend the time, as persistent as you are with me, to meet a gentleman named Ben Horowitz. He's in Silicon Valley. He's the number one VC out there. Or he's on his way to becoming the number one VC. This man loves the idea, but now I have to, that's fine, I can get money, but I gotta get embedded in the culture of technology. I don't do that. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm in New York City doing my thing. Wednesday night, I fly to San Francisco. Leave at nine, get there at midnight. Thursday morning, I got meetings, lunch meetings, breakfast meetings. I'm meeting subject matter experts, people who can help me. Friday, doing the same thing. Saturday, fly back Sunday, rinse and repeat. I did that for seven years. Bought Golden State Warrior tickets, People thought I had an apartment in San Francisco. I got so deep. People thought I lived in San Francisco. If I go to San Francisco, people I live there. I was there every week for seven years. I know engineers. I can tell you their wives' name, their kids' names, where they hang out at, everything. Because I had to build a team. I opened up a store, a clothing street store there selling clothes, just so I knew people had to go there so I could start meeting people at the store, because I had the so, store. So, 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 so this is why I say we need five hours. Let me ask you this question. Are you a genius? No, I don't think I'm a genius. I think I do one, I, I think I do one thing really well. I follow rational thought all the way out. Like, I don't know what you talking about, rational thought. Like, well, I don't know, you, I it's can't the, even relate no, to that. No, what are you talking about? What, what is the you, one thing? I don't you, know what you, the rational you, thought is. If means. you follow something logically, and you follow it all the way out. It, then you'll start to see around the corner, like if you. But, just that, start, but, but you talk about uh, logic, but, two, but let me going from two and a half million dollar base salary to one hundred and fifty thousand is not logic. That part's that part's not logic. The part that is logic, let me. The part that was logic was, I made the soundtrack to Men in Black. That's when I was making this money. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay let's get to it. Go. I make the soundtrack to Men in Black. We sell ten million albums. The fucking glasses he had sold 14 million, man. 
We got paid nothing from that. I knew for a fact that it was that music video and I make these look good and all that shit that he did that made those glasses sell. And I'm thinking to myself, why aren't we getting paid off of this? And everybody else is happy that we sold 10 million records. And I'm like, well, 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 what did they make and why aren't we part of that? That's logical, okay? What's, lo what's illogical is being happy with what you made and not following out all of what you impacted and what you should actually get paid for. Boom. I end up getting close with that agency that did the product placement for Will Smith. That's the agency that a few years later I took $150,000 on and I end up owning a piece of it. Okay? That's what I did. So that's rational thought because I knew I could affect the, in, the music industry more being outside the industry than inside the industry. You're I found a genius, that bro. You're a genius. I, and, and, and I'm sorry. I'm going to give you your flowers here. I'm going to put your crown on your head right now. You're a genius, and, and, and like you're a boss. Real bosses is never going to go out there and talk about themselves. They're going to let the people talk about them, and that's our responsibility to give the people who came before us their flowers and their crown. You are that. And, and, and so, like, you, when you speak now, you speak from, like, a different space. Like, you up there with the Zuckerbergs. You're, you're, you're Elon Musk. A lot of people don't even know that you're the, like you said, it's like I knew what you literally just said and I interrupted you. I can do more for this outside of it. Yeah. So a lot of us don't even know your story. The stories, Nas, Jay-Z. I ain't even know about Men in Black. Do people know about, you know, Run DMC? Do people know about LL Cool J? Your story's there. Yeah. People don't know those stories. I've been in the music business since I was 21 years old. I'm 53. And uh, the first thing that I did that put me on the map was I made the theme song for the Martin Lawrence show. Martin. And that was the first time I was like, got something published. It was on television every week and shit. That feeling was a good feeling. Um, and I, was a, I started from the bottom. I started as a road manager, checking, kid and playing the hotels and all that. Mm -hmm. So I, again, playing every position on the field. And I you know, then went, met Nas, um, like you, fearless. I didn't know Queensbridge, nothing. I just walk in there. I literally walked through the projects like it had a front door. And asked him, does anybody know not? <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I met him. And uh, in, in the album you produced? Yeah, the, the, it was written, um, which is, uh, you know, I love him. He's been, you know, I realize as time goes on that out of all the things that I've accomplished, being able to work with him at that point in his career is one of the greatest achievements I've ever done. Why? Because Nas is one of the greatest writers that ever walked the face of this earth. And I got a chance to work with that level of genius talent very closely. And, and I had to care for it. And I had to make sure it was right. And I respected it the entire way. And I learned from him how to treat artists. Because I've learned when people who have unique, special talent that cannot be replaced, man, you do everything you can to help foster that talent and move it forward and shut the fuck up. You just get out the way and you make sure that those people have the best conditions possible to create unique, beautiful ideas. That's your job.
And, you know, that, that's what I've done my whole career. And uh, I learned that from him. So that's why. Hmm. T- take me through the moment where you, like, when you first realized, like, Nas was s- different, set apart, special. Like, is there one story? Sitting in my mother's driveway, listening to the song. And, he, and, he re- and it was one line. It said, writing on my words past the margin. And as soon as I was like, I, I couldn't even just believe that, like, he used that framing of like the words past the margin and like obviously you know in school they teach you don't write past the margin but he was so lost in his thought that he wrote the line and visually spit it that way I'm like this guy I mean it is way more than that but I'm just saying I remember that line specifically I was like this guy is crazy and then you heard you know I never sleep because sleep is the cousin of death Made you think, thought-provoking. Thought-provoking, like it was, it was, it was hard, but it was thoughtful, it was poetic, it was smart, it was insightful, it was brilliant. And then, being, then being, when you meet him, you realize these, are, these things come in different packages, like, because it's, it's hip-hop, it's 90, 94, 95, and he's coming from the projects but he's Shakespeare, mm-hmm. right? But he's coming, in, he's coming at you with, you know, army fatigues and a lot of dudes around him that's holding. Queensbridge. Yeah, and, and, and you're like, okay, let me not run from this. Let me find this thing. Because the person who wrote that is special and um, earned his trust. And that was it. But that was the moment. It was in my mom's driveway. And, and, and no matter what, I was like, I'm absolutely going to find this guy and I'm going to work with him. How I don't give a you? fuck. How old were you? I was 25. To me, that's genius. Is what you, is like for somebody to take here one line and you say, this dude's special. And I feel like that's what th- your whole career has been around that, like identifying talent and seeing the genius in people. It's, you get for, and then you develop a reputation that's, that they could work with you and whatever, man, and it's, it's cool. I've worked with everybody, man. I worked with LL. I worked with Nas. I worked with Jay. I worked with, you know, Dr. Dre. I worked with Lady Gaga. I worked with... Okay, so Beyonce. take me back to real quick, and then we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll get back on track. LL Cool J and Gap. LL Cool J had this thing where early in his career, not early in his career, but his career has been so long and celebrated, but he's doing this thing where he'd make one great album and then, like, one bad album. And it one great album and one bad album. And if you were an LL Cool J fan like me, you were f- frustrated because you were always defending the bad album. The great albums were always didn't need anybody to defend it. I, he's my he he growing up was my favorite. Period. And he and he's from Queens, and you know I'm from Queens, so he, we live like like three miles from each other. So I make the album, um, the Hey Lover album. And uh, LL, you remind me a little bit of him, his energy. He's like, let's get it done, let's get it done. He's, <laughs> he's a nonstop, let's get it done. Like, so we make the album, we're doing it well, Hey Lover, um, Mr. Smith is the album. Shit blows up. Great. No problem. The album, the album before that wasn't good. We're following the same cycle. We have a hit. They call him for the Gap ad. He also is an owner of FUBU. 
So LO owned a percentage of FUBU at the time, for us, by us. And he does the Gap commercial, and he's so confident and LO Cool J about his life and shit. He does the Gap ad, it's in a white background. You can see the ad, maybe we'll cut to it. And he sits there and he spits the rhyme, acapella. But he has a FUBU hat on. The guy people is asking him, yo, take the hat off. He's like, nah, this is a little small brand. It's my brand, a little small thing, whatever. So they, let, they allow him to take the hat, not take the hat off. He spits the rhyme, but in the middle of the rhyme, he says, for us, by us, on the law. It's like a dog whistle. Nope, everybody's watching that who's from hip hop knows that's a FUBU hat on and he's wearing it in broad daylight saying for us, by us on the low because he knows that nobody in this set, nobody around this company even knows. He's a part owner. Forget part owner, that he's promoting the company. Social currency. He said it in the rhyme. I mean, he said it in the rhyme. He's doing a Gap commercial spitting for us, by us, on the low. We're watching it at home like, we made it. We made it. Look what he just did. If he could do this, we're out of here, baby. We gone. That's how it felt. So, so what we're going to do right here, there's a few things that came up. Social currency. When we come out of this break, we're going to talk about social currency. Want him to finish his thoughts on LL Cool J and the Gap because in Tanning of America, he talks about like the social currency, leveraging social currency, our culture, hip hop being the number one genre in the world to build commerce and business. Yes. And so that's what we're talking about here. You know, we'll get into some other legendary stories, Jay Z, some of a lot that I know, some of that I don't know, and then also like the new disruption. Like I, I say, he's always five, 10 years ahead. Um. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So after the break, we'll get into this. It's football season, and you can get anything you need for game day delivered with Uber Eats. Well, almost, almost anything. Well, this is AKA Chef Dan. Well, this is Chef Danny, AKA Chanel, and now <laughs> AKA Chef Dior. She was always talking about her last big purchase. But anyways, Brandon Marshall here, Chef Danny here, the, the best in the business. And this is our eight part series with Uber Eats game day snacks. We're feeling very flowy right now, Thank or at least I am. How are you feeling? I'm feeling very flowy too. You feeling flowy? Everything's a vibe. Okay, <laughs> so look, what we're doing this week is buffalo shrimp. Jalapeno poppers. Ooh. I put this together so Again, is a simple dish and you guys can make it at home too. You can get almost almost anything you need for game day delivered with Uber Eats. So we have some jalapenos, mozzarella cheese, Parmesan cheese, breadcrumbs, shrimp that has been seasoned. Please yeah. season your food um, and some buffalo sauce. Let's dive into this recipe. We got everything we needed delivered with Uber Eats. All you have to do is mix up the cream cheese, mozzarella, Parmesan, put that all together until it forms a paste. Add your shrimp or whatever protein of your choice. You can actually keep it pescatarian if you want. I mean, not pescatarian, you can actually keep it uh, vegetarian if you want. And we're gonna bake those. I'm gonna show you what that finished product looked like because it's super simple, but really important. Yeah, most men, y'all just wanna get on there and, and, and barbecue. Y'all gotta learn how to bake. Watch out. Oh um, <laughs> I just wanna show you this quickly. Um, when you go ahead and slice the jalapenos, See these seeds, just take all of those seeds out unless you want to be extra spicy and that's up to you. Women, wear a glove because, you know, it's very important. I think guys too, whatever. But <laughs> do that. Okay, <laughs> wear gloves when you take the seeds out. And um, you're going to just put that filling in there, put it in the oven, 350 for 15 minutes, it'll be done. All right, so Brandon is going to go ahead and get the finished product out of the oven. As you see, he's wearing protective gear. You know, I like it spicy, so I'm gonna yes, do a little bit more. I'm gonna do a little bit more. And you already know what's next. There you go. A little garnishing. Did I say that right? Garnishing. Garnishing, yes. We're gonna garnish a little bit. Bang, 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 like Salt Bay. I'm gonna hit this up here, like bang, 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 bang. And then I'm gonna take this bad boy right here, this beautiful, this beautiful boy. Wow. I'm gonna put it right there. Oh, Brandon, you're do doing this. so much better. Right Look at that. Bam. He gets <laughs> All right, try it. Here we go. Try your masterpiece. Yo, another one. <laughs> DJ Khaled voice. Another one. Hits on hits. Chef, why you ain't got no restaurant yet? I actually consult and have other people, I help other people have restaurants. Mm-mm-mm. That's what. Until we get to the restaurant, we're going to be in my house. <laughs> my kitchen. <laughs> game day snacks. Hi. <laughs> there you have it. Get almost, almost anything for game day delivered with Uber Eats official on-demand delivery partner of the NFL. Order now 
alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. The team that they face in week one, the Dallas Cowboys, is just drastically better than them. I and disagree. Come on now, Brady. I just played 13 years. You're playing. Like, can you new, listen it's to me? It's nuance here, though. What it's I'm, not nuance. It is nuance. Half-assed a playoff appearance. He didn't half-ass Brandon, pull up his stats. He half-assed it. He gave us say, one game. When the minute something doesn't unfold the way that you want to, he checks out. He chose not to pay James Harden. Who you texting right now? Who, who you talking to? What's so important right now? You always on your phone. You built this empire. Who are you uh, talking to? What am I doing? Uh, this is actually Ben Horowitz. This is uh, <laughs> my man. So Ben Horowitz, we're doing an event called Paid in Full, November 17th uh, in Vegas. And which what we're doing is um, honoring uh, legends in music who whose cultural contribution was not met with the financial success that it should have gotten because they signed deals that were not necessarily in their best interest. And we are giving them, we're granting them a half a million dollars and uh, health insurance for life. Uh, we're honoring Scarface and Rakim. It's during F1 weekend in Vegas at the Guggenheim in Vegas. We're doing it. And, uh, you know, we're going to get it done. So that, that just happened. Yeah. And, and then also when you're talking about what this just happened, yeah. that remind me of, like, we come through a, in the NFL, NBA, there's an association. Yeah. I know how we can retire at 55. I can pull this out, da-da-da. I got insurance for five years. They need to change that. And so hearing you saying this is like, oh, shit. They don't have that in music. They don't have that in music. That's right. And and they got fucked. <laughs> really bad deals. So anyhow, but we, we, we're doing something honoring these people because what it says is it's not, it's not just so that we're clear. Paid in full is not... It's me, Felicia Horowitz, Ben Horowitz, Nas, QD3, Quincy Jones' son, Fab Five Freddy. We're not just like, okay, if you're an artist and you're broke, or you're an artist and you got fucked up, rather, here's some money. We're not doing that. It's not that. This should be that, but this is not that. This is you, an artist. Your cultural contribution is significant. And because of these bad record deals, you got fucked up. And the least we can do to pay it forward is to give you, you know, this donation uh, or this, this contribution, rather, to, who you, to what you've done to your family and health insurance and you keep doing your thing. I think that's the part that's important. Our thing is coming at it from a respecting for what you actually contributed. So you're talking about Scarface and Rakim. You're talking about the gods, you know what I'm saying? Um, so... It'll improve over time, I'm sure, like anything else that you disrupt, you dis it's first disruption, then it becomes the norm. Mm -hmm. You need disruption to create, uh, it works, and then everybody follows and it becomes the norm. And then it, it changes the level of disruption. You gotta disrupt it differently now, because when the third guy comes, it's no longer disruption. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. what it is, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So, um, helping these artists is, is it's important to me and I, it's, it's the values that I, I, I stand for. I, I've done this thing, man. I've been doing it long enough. That world, that's me. Ideas, you talk about disruption. One of my clients, since I'm advertising, is AT&T. And AT&T um, really wanted to do story doing. This whole idea of like, 
You could tell a story about 5G technology in this case, but what could we do with 5G technology to really demonstrate in a, in a, in a most obvious way the power of that technology and connection changes everything, which is their line. So, you know, the brilliant team, my guys, uh, came up with an idea, and it was about... This is translation? Translation, yeah. I mean, and it was really about how could we use 5G technology to impact society. And found this story about a college football team, Gallaudet. Gallaudet is a deaf and hard of hearing football team. Obviously, they use sign language to communicate. They invented the huddle, Brandon. Wow, I didn't know that. They invented the huddle. The huddle was started by these people using sign language so that people couldn't steal their plays. They had to use the huddle. So the huddle that I sat in for yes. for 20 years yeah. is... It was started by deaf and hard of hearing people. These are facts, okay? And professional athletes, guys who went to the pros, came from deaf and hard of hearing colleges in circumstances. But when the NFL went to... Uh, microphones and, and, and audio in the helmets, they were out the game. They couldn't, they couldn't do it. They were, they were, the playing field was unequal. And we recognized that inequality and worked for three years tirelessly to come up with the technology and go through all the crash tests, you know, to, to get these helmets approved. But we could put a device like on the visor where the player can actually see the audible versus hearing it. Bro, we launched it recently, man. It got two billion media impressions before the ad even ran. Two billion. I mean, I mean, it, it, the, the human story of this. And uh, the creative is brilliant. Um, the advertising that goes with the helmet. College Football Hall of Fame wants the helmet as a permanent installation. All of that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's all of that. It's, it's, it's very Let important. me ask you this. Out of all the things that you've done, all the people you sat with, the Nas's, the Jay-Z's, the LeBron's, da-da-da-da-da, why does this make you so proud? Like, I can feel it. Like, why are you proud of this? You're talking about a group of people that no one's using technology in an impactful way to change their lives, to give them a fair shot. And the fact that I could do that as an advertising agency, that I could come up with ideas that are so broad that you could focus on a group that deserves the attention, that hasn't had it in years, that can give these players the same exact opportunity as a kid coming from Alabama or whatever, of course I have to do that. But that makes me proud because I'm realizing, maybe it's, like, maybe it's age and wisdom <laughs> that, that goes along with it, that you have the power to do so much more, Steve. You have the power to change people's lives. You can change an artist's life. You can change a, a, an entrepreneur's life. But now you're changing lives for the deaf and the hard of hearing. These, when they put the helmet on for the first time, people will cry, man. 
And we had a beautiful moment before where someone yeah. on my team. Yeah. yeah, so then we then made the film. Um, and the film ran uh, last week. It ran, you know, on, on uh, college game day and all that. And then the girl uh, who sang, we used the song Sound of Silence, the Paul Simon song. And I'd like to play it. Um, or we have it here if we could play it. Because the girl who sings this song, Amari Unplugged, she is hard of hearing. The lead singer on this is hard of hearing. So we go to her, and she's on United Masses. So we got translation doing the ad. She's on United Masses. She's deaf, hard of hearing. And we get her to make the song for the ad, and it's, it's beautiful. We I, to... and, and I think we, we, we have that. All right, perfect. Let's play it. But I'm trying to feel it, too. This is my first time hearing it. So let's pull it up first, and then we pull it back down. Let's get it right. Let's fade that, let's fade that, let's fade that smoothly. A mirror unplugged, man. So, so, wow. So Men in Black, to Nas, and so many others that we can talk about that I don't even know and I've done my work. Where does this, it's not even about ranking I feel like that's disrespectful. It, what, what, like from an impact standpoint, like from an impact standpoint, where does that sit with all the other soundtracks that you put together? All the, the other. The, so this this is more like this is so real, man. Like you make a helmet, change the lives of deaf athletes, and then you make Paul. Then you get Paul Simon to approve this classic song to be sung by a deaf girl who's hard of hearing and AT&T is back in this. 
and she has an AT&T campaign that's going to help change her life. And I do it, I do it now, man, without even, it's just how I think, man. I just, that's how I think every day. It's like, where's the idea? Where's the impact? Oh my God, when this shit hits, it's going to look like this. It, it, that, I get excited. And I don't even know if everybody else gets excited. Like, I get excited. It's like I, how I feel. What I, hearing you talk about, like, this going into this is like purpose. I've heard purpose. You know, like, why the hell, man? Like, you, you, you get like, oh, my goodness, this AT&T deal, death and the hard of hearing. It's like you said purpose. And then what I saw, and this is where the genius come, is ecosystem. Translation. Boom. United Masters. Masters. Yeah. Like, everything you're built in this whole. Working. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And, 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 bro, like, when I walk in here sometimes, I got 90 people you that work with me. And you told me that, by the way. You told me this when you walk in. You took me through the spot, and you was talking about the, the, all the connections, right? From this to that to this to that to the production facility in the back, and keeping people—I call it the ecosystem—is one way to explain it. It's a marketplace, right? And in that marketplace, if you build it correctly, you, whether you come in through this door or you coming through this store, the opportunity for you to be able to find benefits within the infrastructure of it all is what you're trying to build. It's very easy. It's, building a business is hard. But then once you get to building a business is hard and you, become, and you get through that door, then it becomes easy to say, okay, we're building one business that just does this one thing. We're going to build a gym. Or we're going to build a a, 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 a company that sells uh, nutritional elements, right? Or we're going to build, you know, recovery. Or we're going to build a studio and we're going to do sports podcasts. But try to put them in one facility. The ambition of that, because you see the entire thing, how cross the cross-functional people you need to hire to be able to move from you can move from that part of the business to that part of the business to that part of the business to this part of the business seamlessly. When you're trying to build those types of businesses, Brandon, let me just talk to you about that. I speak about my company, and it sits at the convergence of culture, technology, and storytelling. And everybody has to be prolific at two of the three. You can't be the kid who codes that's too nerdy to hang out with the kid who's making the music. And the kid who's making the music can't be too cool to hang out with this person. And then the way I seat them, the way we, we all sit together, I put an engineer next to an A&R in a music business next to a guy who's writing copy for an ad. Right, 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 they sit right near each other. Right, 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 right. They can't even avoid it. Their water cooler talks is about that. You put them in close proximity so that the values that are in your head on why you see all these things coming together and you hire these people, you put them in close proximity so that's how they start sharing. Because the job is to get what's in your complex mind to get people to think and operate like that daily.
I'm tearing up right now, bro, because, like, it's validation of, like, why I needed to connect with you. And you are a genius. And it's such a beautiful thing because, like, I was it's easy for me to answer that question. You're like, yeah, I don't know if people get it. It's like I got 90 employees. And I'm walking, when I walk in here, like, I got to be a lion. I can't break. Also, like, I know how all this shit work. But the difficult part is, like, get everybody aligned. It's like, you don't have to understand this. But when athletes and artists walk in here, content and commerce going to come out. So, like, it's this crazy ecosystem. But I see it and I feel it. And it's like, the hardest part for me right now is, like, do you feel it and see it? Or do you even need to see it and feel it? And so, like, it was easy for me to answer that question on, like, you know, I saw a purpose with this AT&T collab. And because it's like, no, like, I got an opportunity to use this to impact the community. Mm-hmm. And then it's the, the genius of it all is, like, how it all works together. Translation to United Masters. And it's like how everything is working together. It's like a snake eating its tail. So you have that. We're sitting in your facility talking about convergence. The production is so seamless in here. You guys have done this over and over and over and over. Whether it's athletes or everyday athletes, professional athletes or everyday athletes, you have something to serve. Whether it's, you know, you're going to go through the bumps and bruises of that, man, because it's hard. You, you chose the hardest thing to do to put three or four different things together that operate as individual businesses, but you see it as one. And there's nothing wrong. That's what Walt Disney did. It's theme parks, it's movies, it's 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 it's, it's cruises. <laughs> you, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's the whole package. And, like, when you choose to go that route, you go in it and you chase it, and you feel good about it. Like, there's no regrets in this game. There's no regrets in this game. The journey is where you enjoy. It's like at the end of it, you want to win, but enjoying the journey, knowing that you did something that you fully believe in and you put your, everything you got into it. Most people can't have never lived a life like that. So I want to just say thank you, and I'm not even going to try. I'm going to sit with this, and people can take it and do whatever they want with it, but, like, I read, like, my messages to you, talked about our history and our journey, and, like, it's God's timing. And if maybe you don't believe in God, the universe, with all of that. But, like, it was meant to be. Like, I'm sitting in Houston. I'm doing this thing <laughs> with Mobile One. Mm-hmm. I'm following three athletes throughout their season. I got this. But it's because of you reading your story and studying you. And so I'm in Houston. I get a call. I'm standing in the, bro. I'm standing. What the hell is the name of the, the, the place we, the Double Tree? What the fuck is his name? This shit's trash. And I'm going to keep it all the way funky. I'm flying PJs when I'm in the peak of my career. Private jets. We go out there. I'm sitting in exit row, southwest. I'm in a double tree. I can be making $5 million a year right now doing the traditional route. And so I'm standing in a fucking double tree. What is, like, and there's no disrespect to the double tree, but what it is, it's like, where I'm at, you, you went really hard on the double tree. I just want you to know. I know, and that could be a potential. Like, <laughs> we want to love the partner with you. Translation. <laughs> <I'm>, 
<laughs> but, but Steve, for me right now, like what I envision for my life is like, and it ain't even on no money thing, because like my number one goal, financial goal, is to give away four hundred million dollars to the mental health community. That's my impact on society. And so, like, I want to stay at the Four Seasons. I want to stay at the Ritz Carlton's. I want to fly private, not because I want to, but because I have to. And I was telling this to my team. I said, in 12 to 18 months, I'm going to have a private jet. And the reason why I'm going to have a private jet is because during football season, in the morning, I'm going to be in Jacksonville pregame. I'm going to be on the field. I need content on the go. I know how to make that viral. Nobody can do what I do. Halftime, I'm going to be in New York at MetLife Stadium, and I'm covering that game. And then post-game, I'm going to be over here. And then by the end of that game, I'm going to be home. I need a private jet. So, like, I have this vision for my life, but, like, I'm embracing this and I'm, I'm loving this because it's like I'm willing. Like, yeah, I'll sleep low. on the floor right you, now. You got to get low. You know, you got to get low. That's that two million. Yeah, two yeah, that. two and a half to one point. You just get low. Get low. It's fine. It's fine, man. Enjoy it. Right. Enjoy it. Enjoy the fact that you have the opportunity to do that. How about that? That's right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so really quickly, because I want to end this, but, you know, I, I, I'm trying to be the next Oprah Winfrey. You're great at this. You, I, I, this is shocking how great you When I first started seeing you do it, I was like, damn, this thing is really good at this. It's crazy. Like, it's wild. So I appreciate that, and I received that. You know, so basically what I'm going to is like, and this is really quick because I want to be respectful of your time. I challenge you guys and I push you guys to like study Steve Stout, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you're in business, you're betting on yourself, you're in media and your content. Everybody now, if you're a new business, you have to be a media company and study him and he'll teach you that. And so like, please do that. And so like really quickly quick answers I want to go back to like this is all the stuff I've learned from divine mentorship it's like when we went to break I talked about LL Cool J and the Gap and the reason why that was significant what I was trying to get you to talk about was social currency like what Jay-Z is and it's not even an empire it's almost like a revolution you know like what he's been able to do um, but then it's 50 cent vitamin water LeBron James and what he's been able to do in the space uninterrupted mm-hmm. in ownership uh you were the first, and I feel like it was LL Cool J, and then there was uh, Run DMC, right, who leveraged their social currency. No, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you what happened. Run DMC got, was the, they, they were the first to get this endorsement deal where their impact on footwear took a company, Adidas, which had 2% market share in America, nowhere. In their 2% market share that they had in America, a majority of it was coming from the Northeast Corridor. And an, an executive uh, from Adidas went uh, to the Northeast and found that the reason why the sneakers were selling at all was because of this group run DMC. But oddly enough, the kids were buying the sneakers and then throwing the shoelaces in the garbage. And they didn't understand why people would wear sneakers with no shoelaces. Anyhow, he ended up at uh, a show at Madison Square Garden. And he went to the show and Run said, everybody put your sneakers in the, uh, he was gonna do my Adidas, put your Adidas in the air. And it was 18,000 people holding up sneakers. And they seen that. And that kid, he gave them a, 
a sneaker deal. That was the beginning of somebody believing in hip hop. And there was some early things around that time, like Sprite, Followed Suit, what have you. Then we did, Jay-Z comes and we start doing the sneakers at Reebok, in which they owned them. The G-Units, the S. Dot Carters, the uh, um, ice creams for Pharrell. And uh, that was a big shift because it went from like being an endorser of footwear to then owning, owning the IP, owning the, the brand. Um, and this whole idea of going from like, just, just like the shift in, 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 uh, in, in the way people get compensated, like indentured servants to slaves, to employee, to owner. And that's where we are right now in society, right? That's why you're not taking that money from whoever. You're building it, and that's why the double trees, the double tree for you. But you're on your way because you want to be an owner. You could settle and be an employee. You're not doing that. It's hard. You're it's not painful at times. Yeah, but you're ready to go. You're ready to go through the pain mm-hmm. because you know it's on the other side. You believe in yourself because you're a real entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right? It's not for everybody, but it's for the real entrepreneurs. So um, that's what happened in that story. So, so it was like Run DMC set the stage so that we could then do that and capitalize and get equity and build something that's important with those brands. And the reason why that's important is it's, bro, that's why, like, I was cutting you off. Hopefully it, you didn't feel disrespected or no. rushed. But I'm like, when you're talking about the Midwest and you're talking about all these other things, it's like, we're not ready for that because mm-hmm. I just I don't want to make the mistakes that you made or mm-hmm. the Elon Musk's of the world made, the Obamas made. So that's why I want to connect with people like you. You be talking sometimes where it's like we can't we're not we're not we're not we're not vibrating at that same frequency. I understand. You know I mean, what I'm saying? I, I learned that right here. I, really? I, I, and you, yeah, because you don't I don't know how not to be me. So somebody has to say, Steve, yo, you ask me, yo, who are we on the phone with right now? So. I was with my friend, he's going to the Middle East. We're going to think da, 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 in the Middle East. Andres at Horowitz. But you still didn't even tell that. Like, like, like we're talking about billions of no, dollars. No, well, you know what we've done? We've given people enough to Google, enough to do the homework. If you, you want to do something, if, if your podcast, if this episode specifically of, is about mentorship, disrupting, and understanding, then it should come with homework. You think we, we accomplished? I think we accomplished that. I think we gave people enough names, enough circumstances that hopefully as you, they respect the content that you make and everything that you stand for, you're not going to accept have anybody over here not saying nothing that's not important, that's not impactful. You're, not, you're certainly not going to get tears or have that level of respect for somebody who didn't do stuff that mattered. That they should take that and give a fuck. Look it up. We did not waste one word. We did not waste one word, man. Everything we said right here today was a fact and was important at affecting our lives or others. This was a blessing for me. Really quickly before we go, bro. Um, sorry, I said, bro, it's like a, I ain't even my pair. Yeah. I'm getting too comfortable. This is my OG. This is my mentor. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you gonna be my mentor? Because I, oh, yeah. he, no, yes. huh? yes. okay, okay. Yes. <laughs> Five. Yes. 
<laughs> All I need from you is, and we'll we'll work it out. It could be maybe, probably with you and your schedule, real the being real is like once a quarter. Like if I can get lunch once a quarter. Well, in Florida, once a quarter we can do. I know. Because yeah. you've yeah. been June, you've been living in like, since June, June well, you've been only been here well, nine times. First of all, you do know June and Florida. June to August is Florida is the worst. See, well, I can't relate to that. See, what I'm realizing now is like there's an ebb and flow to You don't business. care that it's 125 degrees? Okay, watch this. Watch this. The dude in Opalaka in Liberty City, they going to be here regardless. You, Elon Musk, Obama, y'all going to Europe. Hold on, tell You going to Europe. <laughs> I, I, will, I will tell you this right now. I will say it's official. <laughs> that's, that's what the rich do. Listen to me. Hold on. Right that's now. what they rich do. Oh, it's the summer. It's hot in South Florida. Miami, I'm going to go to uh, Miami <laughs> at 2 p.m. Don't matter. In July is worse than the double tree. All right, man. Thank you. They call me Big Jack. Lost my fucking brother and that shit had me a bit sad. And now I'm chasing big cash. Niggas used to rip tags. I couldn't even stay the whole year. We used to skip class. Now all I do is get bags. I'm the one the family running to whatever get bad. My city have a problem. First thing they tell you, get jacked. If you ain't around no more, it's fuck you with your bitch ass. I was around for little cash. Turn to fucking big cash. I ain't never touched a fucking woman. Never snatched a purse. I'm the one that put the K-bone and take her back to church. Me and K-West and days. He used to pack the work. Holy flow. Should probably have a choir when I rap a verse. Seemed like everything was going backwards. Had the rap reverse. Niggas trying to mention Jag name, but never had me first. She didn't gave me easy access. She got that happy skirt. Ironic how we got about the trap from doing trappy work. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.